Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of season two of Midweek Meta Game. I'm your host, Gabriel Nassif, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. It's not cool to come back. It's two in a row now. And Piotr Glebgowski, a.k.a. Canister. Hi. Well, well, well. The new set is out, Lord of the Ring for Modern. People were like, is it really going to have an impact? Uh, not sure. It's more of a commander set. I was like, eh, I'm not too sure. I think it might be good. Hopefully it's good. And I think we have a, a beginning of an answer. I think the answer is, is yes. So we're going to be diving into Modern. We've been playing a lot of Modern. A tiny bit of Pioneer too at the end. I played the Pioneer Showcase. Canister played a live event in which he did very well. So yeah, that's that's the that's the plan for today. Before we get into the app, we'd like to remind you we have a Patreon uh, slash patreon.com slash midweek metagame. No pressure to support us, but it helps. Um, we do it for the love of the game, but Pat has a, a mortgage now and a kid, so He's so, stealing my bit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're we're recording that for the like second time. I didn't have the the audio of Pat and uh, and Canister the first time, so we went a few minutes uh, like that. But yeah, um, let's let's dive straight into it. Canister played a bunch of Living End today. I played a bunch of Living End a few days ago too. It was one of the first decks I tried. So Canister, why don't you uh, lead the way with what you thought about the deck? All right, so Living End had a pretty obvious and a pretty affordable change uh, happen to it. Namely, the new land cyclers, Oliphant, the mountain cycler, and Generous End, the forest cycler, are both uh, six mana pretty big creatures that let you just put more cyclers into your Living End deck. The neat thing about the land cycling is that you get to cut lands for them. And uh, the exact list is up in the air. Like there's, you know, it's going to probably take a while until people agree on like what amount is the best and what's the like optimal way to approach that. But so far, some people go down to as few as 14 real lands. And uh, that means that you get to put like five extra cyclers into your deck, which I think is a pretty big deal for living in. And it increases the consistency of the deck by... By a good amount, and uh, that's just always welcome. Yeah, I agree. I started with six. I thought it was going to be something around fifteen lands, six land cyclers made sense to me. That's what I started with, and I liked it. I thought the deck was really strong. I thought it got a, a, an upgrade, but it was still the old problem of your deck super busted, but it's somewhat easy to hate, even though you have the answers and. Games can be a little scary if people are prepared. And especially on Magic Online, when you don't know people's exact sideboard, you don't know if you need to plan for a lot of chalices or endurance, what mix, how to sideboard. And um, it's, I feel like other decks got, got better against you as well. There's um, the lighted halfling into Teferi especially is really, really scary. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty key for living in. That's actually pretty scary because it does blank force of negation. So you are left with relatively few ways to answer that Teferi. 
Although there is one thing that I tried today that I think is pretty interesting. I haven't seen other lists really try to adopt an approach like that. Given that you do get to put more cyclers into your deck in the spots previously occupied by lands, uh, you put the land cyclers there, you kind of get to maybe try to cut some of the blue cyclers and play more interaction domainic. So what I tried today was cutting stripped uh, river winders entirely and playing a full playset of main subtlety as it's both an interaction card and uh, a way to beat uh, Teferi with uh, Delighted Halfling especially and also a way to still put creatures into your graveyard as it does come back. Yeah. I'm not sure if it makes total sense since you're already cutting land. It means you're gonna have to cycle these cards for lands. I guess you so you're cycling the land cyclers early on to get your lands anyways. You don't have as much time to cycle your blue cards, and you get to save your blue cards for Teferi. You're still filling up your graveyard. Yeah, yeah best idea. Yeah, it does. It does kind of make sense that you get to cheat a few more extra free spells, pitch spells if. Um, you have the land cyclers. Yeah, that, that's a good approach. I was watching some of your games. You're just beating people down with, with a bunch of subtleties and stuff. Um, yeah, that's also a nice thing. The land cyclers also, like, maybe not the most hard castable for six mana, but they're also, like, not entirely crazy to cast, and that certainly happened to me. Yeah, it came up a lot for me as well. You're also much better against Blood Moon because you can get your basic force er easier. People even started playing Blood Moon in Living in Sideboard. Um, I think Meninane was doing that. Uh, he was also playing Six Land Cyclers. So yeah, a lot of lot of cool stuff. I thought you had I saw you had Binding in your sideboard. Was that the same league? Yeah, yeah, that was an idea I had since like you have so you have, you know you have those Land Cyclers. You kind of have more fetch lands in your deck. So I had the idea of putting one Indantha Trium into my sideboard and four Leyline Binding. That way, uh, having four Misty Rainforest and four Generous End in the main deck, I was able to have eight fetches for the Indantha Trium, which then with Steam Vents, it completes domain, and I get to cast Leyline Bindings for one white. You know, it's not... It's not like all that clean, and it's kind of kind of awkward, and I'm not entirely sure against which matchups I would even want that, but uh, I tried it, tried it out for the league. It didn't seem so bad. I was even trying to do a little bit of a switch postboard where I boarded in, you know, having the four subtleties in the main deck. I was boarding in my four endurances, two brazen borrower and four Leyland binding, and kind of playing a pseudo flash rhinos game, which. You know, it's pretty bad, but your opponent is trying to mulligan for to get their hate against you, so uh it won me a game or two. I I was definitely I was, I was gonna raise it raise exactly that, that that question. With those with those four subtles in your deck, getting to play that, you know, somewhat more conventional style game in post board situations or in spots where your opponent has lots of hate is definitely a big advantage and I, and Getting a bit of an extra mileage against cut, you know, people bringing in endurance against you, which is like obviously a, a pretty universal sideboard card. Uh, the target's the graveyard. What is there any merit to even kind of going all the way and just putting rhinos in your sideboard and just 
switching into switching your living ends for rhinos in in certain matchups if your opponent's like you know full of unlicensed hearse and endurance and stuff like that maybe some people proposed that to me during my stream too like it is it is not something unheard of right there's been people playing rhinos in in living end uh for i guess years now it's been pretty rare but they show up every now and then and uh well, I guess if you if you get to play leyline binding on top on top of that, then it would make sense that your that your rhino rhino plan would actually be be a bit better if you get to fit more interaction yeah. along mm. alongside them. I'm not sure if it would work in like an open decklist tournament, mm. but yeah. it's might be something good for one challenge in Magic Online or something like that until people cotton on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like mo most of the hate is like. Cascade hate anyways, right? Hallowed yeah. Moonlight, that works anyways, right? Teferi, still a problem. Uh, Charles of the Void still gets you. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. It just kind of depends on what people are bringing to the table in terms of hate. If it's dedicated graveyard hate, then it's probably worthwhile. But if you're, if you're expecting a mix of that and Cascade hate, then yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but it's interesting to see you kind of switching to this kind of you know, fish, fish plan. Do your side will still contain um, a bunch of copies of Mystical Dispute as well to kind of play into that as well play into that avenue yeah i had one copy of dispute too uh kind of lower on dispute because of the halfling right because the halfling into the fairy line means that your dispute cannot be used to fight against the fairy it meant that i was kind of less excited to put it into my deck but of course still like probably a good card overall yeah, I had some some dead guns. Well, I had, I had a dead gun and a fury in my sideboard since you have the the few extra cards, the the redland cyclers and um, ragavan turn one out of scam is still a problem. Voidwalker is obviously a major issue. So I was thinking maybe maybe you need dead gun for for the, these cards and the halfling. I also tried flame of Anor, the the new. Wizard spell, even though you don't have wizard spells, because I like the versatility. You can kill a creature, you can kill a chalice. Basically, I wanted a card that I could bring in against people who had chalice. Typically, the Omnath deck, they have two or three chalice in their sideboard. And I wanted a card that's not just Foundation Break or Force of Vigor, that's dead if they don't draw the chalice, that I can still, like, you know, draw, draw two cards. Um, you know, you were talking about these these games, these kind of games that turn into grindy games where you just beat them down with subtlety. I felt like that card could be nice in this plan. If they're trying to play too reactive, you just fire off end of turn divination and and make your land drops, find find your subtlety, etc. So I tried that. Um, not convincing. Maybe just Prismari Command is good for that spot. I tried Press the Enemy too, the four mana card. And I wasn't I didn't even put it in my main deck because I didn't think it was good enough. And sorry, what what does Press the Enemy do? It's the four mana blue card that bounces a permanent or a spell, and then you get to cast a spell that's cheaper. Yeah, it's a bit awkward with with griefs, right? In your deck, you always wanted to pitch your living ends to your grief, so it doesn't quite work beautifully here because you'll be incentivized to get rid of your living end at the first opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think of the narratives? Maybe you know these land cycles are obviously pretty powerful, and you've you mentioned they kind of let you play a 
free, more freely play a few more pitch cards. Is there any merit to maybe changing your mana base entirely to play the black the black land cipher? I know that's a creature as well, and that will give you more black cards to pitch to pitch to grief in the mid game. You can kind of you know rather than playing you know just straight up lions and forests, you could play breeding pool, uh, watery graves and uh, overgrown tombs and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The mana base is already really tight. I decided to. I wanted to keep the sunken runes. I kept the Basaju. I basically trimmed the the extra blue fetch lands, the the scalding thorns, I guess, and I trimmed some of the the fast lands. Um, I decided not to play stomping ground. I think I feel like it's a mistake, but everyone else plays the the one stomping ground. I was just playing two breeding pool, two steam vents. Because I just didn't want stomping around in my deck was all blue, one one blue mana cycler. Um, especially if I was going to play the one Bosseju. I think what people did is maybe they played the stomping ground over the Bosseju, which that, that that is fine. Um, I think stretching yeah, I to would, add black is... I think I'd rather have a stomping ground than a Bosseju. I think having the ability for your generous and to actually fix your mana seems kind of kind of important. Yeah, I don't think it ever came up for me in the two leagues I played where I was missing not having stomping ground. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I played these two leagues before the, the showcase, before the weekend. I was like, yeah, living in is, is still good. It got an upgrade, but I'm kind of scared to play it in, in that field. I felt like the one ring was pretty decent against you. You do have force of negation, but um, yeah, it still like stops your attacks and they can maybe snowball and take over like out of the, maybe I got a little uh, discouraged. I lost to Oscar Franco, who was playing Omnath, was half laying and the one ring. And after sideboard, he had a combination of Chalice, Vito, Unmoored Ego. And that Dallas kind of got to me, but the Living End deck did really good this weekend. It, it, crushed, uh, it crushed the challenges, it crushed the showcase. And I think one of the reasons is because People probably got to really good lists really fast. I, I think the changes were somewhat obvious, and they... I think another another big reason is that the upgrades to Living End are commons, and they're gonna be easily available and basically free from the get go. Right, the Oliphant turns and just costs you like a fraction of a ticket. On the other hand, the One Ring, the Lighted Halfling, Orcish Bowmasters, and a few other uh, seemingly excellent cards from the set uh, were pretty hard to get for the first weekend of the showcases, especially the ring. Yeah, yeah, the ring was was basically impossible to get. Uh, yeah, and, and I shelled for 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 them like I almost paid three hundred tickets for them, which came with great great pain. But uh, I did that. Yikes! Yeah. Um... Yeah, I was going to ask how much card availability was. Do you think impacted this weekend's results? And my guess is the answer is quite, quite a lot. I actually, um, so I played, I played a little bit earlier last week when the set had just come out, and the One Ring was apparently still affordable. So I played against the One Ring a couple of times in the first league I played, and it made me kind of. It was very obviously very powerful, and uh, so for the next league I queued up. I kind of. Made a few changes to to, to blue red merc to kind of compensate for that, you know, extra spell pierce, uh, force negation in my main, my main deck, to kind of uh, hedge in that direction. And do you think other people were making those sort of changes and then never playing against the one ring because it was just prohibitively expensive and not around? Perhaps, I surely that could have happened. There's also like 
you know, it's also just news. So like, not everyone is gonna have it's at the forefront of their mind, right? Some people just not gonna think think much of it. Some people just, you know, it's ha- it's easier to make changes to your deck once you have experienced the thing that beats you. So I think it's just it's just gonna take time a, a little bit to to settle in. Yeah, certainly. So so you said you've spent your entire life savings buying four copies. Is that right? Three copies. So three. <laughs> have you, what what I, shell I have you been playing? Sorry, what shell have you been playing them in? That's three copies only. That's great. Yeah, how did that work out for you? Yeah, I I, I played uh, Elementals for the showcase. I played the Modern Showcase on Saturday. Uh, it was ten rounds, right? It was four hundred something people, ten rounds, a very lengthy tournament. So I. I went four zero. I then I lost twice, and I and I dropped because uh, decided it's a little bit too long to play for me. But uh, I put the one ring into the pretty obvious shell of uh, four color elementals, rent fairy, the lighted halfling. They also the different new upgrade that helps at making the deck faster and fighting against uh, counter magic. Omnath, Solitude, Leyland Binding on like removal, all that uh, usual stuff. I also put two two time warps into my deck because I just felt like it. It's been pretty obviously suboptimal, and I would not recommend uh, any listeners or neither of you to to play time warps in Omnath uh, in in the future. It's kind of uh, it's not good. Yeah, when you say elementals, you mean Omnath, right? You didn't have actual like Risen Reef and. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's four color more so than elementals. That it, that is true, I guess. Yeah, I guess when people say elementals, they sing of Rhythm Reef and Kahira. Yeah. So yeah, I I played against the One Ring a bunch. I feel like it's good. Pat, you said you were impressed. Um, yeah, definitely I'm, impressed. I'm I'm kind of just curious of your initial guys' feeling about is it very good is it good enough that you should play at least one in almost any modern deck even even like murktide or is it like not not that good and should still like kind of make sense uh you know maybe have a little live game to go with it or some way sub use it um from my from my perspective it does it, it seems to kind of you can either build around it and lean right into it and or you can or, or you can splash one copy as you're suggesting, you know, one or two copies, and maybe as a sideboard in that role that maybe like a planeswalker would have played as a kind of switch up post board. But in my mind, it's at its most effective when you use that time walk turn, so the the turn that you have protection from everything, to untap and catch up from behind. Because you know, although you might not take damage on that turn, you can still lose significant you know, board position and be, be behind. And even if you draw a couple, a few cards. Uh, off the off of the tap ability, so you know it's it's concentrating and storing your three cards. If you can't, if your deck's not full of answers to catch up and kind of restabilize the board, I think it's probably you're probably better off finding a cheaper card to stay stay ahead of the game rather than relying on the one ring. But it certainly kind of adds a lot of weight to these uh, tap out control decks. You know, Omnath's obviously so powerful with it because you just catch straight back up again, uh, gain life, make lots of mana, take advantage of all the cards you have now have in hand now. So yeah, I, I, I'm not. I don't think it's some universal a card that belongs in every deck. Definitely not. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still a four mana sorcery speed card, right? And like, oftentimes people play no cards that cost four mana and are sorcery speed in in their decks. Like for the most part, people don't really play cards like that in modern. Uh, yet the ring seems to be powerful enough to to fit many decks, despite uh, fitting into that uh, type of a card. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it certainly seems very strong. It does potentially seem like a card that might tape what is allowed and what is not allowed in modern uh, in the future. For example, from from my experience so far, when I played with Omnath decks with the One Ring against uh, Hammer, like I guess I guess like that's the typical thing with Hammer. Hammer is kind of weak against the four color or control decks, right? But uh, the One Ring specifically seemed uh, pretty powerful against the versions of Hammer that did not have spell pierce in them, because they just never had a way to interact with my One Ring. So once I played it, the I had the guaranteed turn of having protection. Then I like take one damage. I draw two more cards. I drew three total cards. I get to, and then I get to keep answering uh, things one for one while drawing and increasingly rising amount of cards per turn so it might be that people are going to be even more incentivized to have some kind of uh, stack into uh, like just well blue interaction in their decks to be able to punish people who try to tap out for expensive sorceries i guess yeah it, cer- it certainly immediately made me want to have force negations in my deck more than i have for the last year or so and yeah in- increase the number of spell pierces as well from the Merc type point of view, and I think that might just be a universal kind of, if you have access to blue cards, these things just go up in value a little bit. Yeah, Pithing Needle goes goes up in value too, Haywire might mean that, even though Pithing Needle is, is bug right now. Yes, yeah, um, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, so for, for those you don't know, basically on Magic Online, for some reason, Lord of the Rings is coded as a legacy set, or not a modern set. So basically, if you use the filter when you're building your deck and you just filter for modern, you don't see the Lord of the Ring cards. And I guess it's the same core issue with Needle. Um, when you play Needle in modern, it only shows you the, the modern legal cards. And... You just can't name the one ring with, with Needle. It's, it's not a thing you can do on Magic Online so far. Of course, you should be able to, but yeah, uh, hopefully it's going to get fixed soon, but... Yeah, would be a decent answer to the one ring otherwise. Yeah, and reminder that as far as as I'm concerned, if if your opponent clearly uh, plays needle on on the one ring on Magic Online and you ignore it and say whatever, get a refund. Um, you're probably broke breaking TOS, and it's probably just against the rules. You're you're cheating. You're you're bug you're bug abusing. So if they don't fix it soon, just try and not do that and. Uh, play a fair game. I have to say, day- Daybreak Games has been seemingly, seemingly since Daybreak Games took t- took care of Magic Online, the bugs are maybe like maybe even slightly more frequent than they used to be, but they also are getting fixed faster, which is, I guess, on average, nice. Yeah, no, I agree. We're getting upgrades. I can't remember what recently, but it's like, oh, it's nice. You know, they're not just like upkeeping the game. They're they're working to 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 to, to keep making better and stuff. So I, I wasn't too too sure what to expect, and I've definitely been pleasantly surprised since 
Fate of Fate, Wall of Rutsun. Yeah, one day. This one's probably just... It's got to be the biggest nightmare ever to, to code properly. It's got to be so yeah. hard. It, it still hasn't been fixed. It's, it's assuredly just not worth it. So, like... But because that's a, that situation just happens, like, almost never, right? I, I sure Zerk or, like, somebody who plays Yogmov for a living would just tell you that it's really important and it actually happened to them twice in the in the last 2000 games they played so it's really important to fix but in actuality it doesn't even affect anyone it doesn't seem to affect exit results yeah i so. I, could, I, I could see it as maybe like the world championship of coding and stuff just the most impossible problem you gotta fix world of roots book on magic online but yeah yeah you were talking about search yeah, it's part of the challenge. Yeah, speaking... You have to code in uh, play draw for the highest seed in the top eight of Magic Online tournaments as well. That's part of yeah, the coding challenge. Pretty rough. It's difficult, I think. Yeah, should yeah, we talk about, of, about Yagmas? Yeah, speaking of Zerk's results, there has also been an interesting decklist uh, from in the Sunday Modern Challenge. Zerk, who always uh, plays and plays as well with Yagmoth, and especially... He has some kind of a superpower on Sundays because he seems to win every other Sunday Modern Challenge. Has played a pretty interesting variation of Yogmov uh, and actually won the challenge with a pretty interesting variation of Yogmov, uh, which is actually labeled Golgari Sacrifice uh, on MTG Goldfish. So it's different enough. Uh, he's playing three copies of the One Ring, of course, as uh, as we were talking and discussing if it fits into into every possible deck. Uh, in Yogmoth it makes sense, right? As Yogmoth is a deck with mana dorks, so it does have a lot, a lot more mana than people have usually. So playing a 4 mana sorcery speed card, well that's what the deck is like built around supporting to begin with, so it kind of makes sense in that sense. But uh, on top of that, we also see the Delighted Halflings, which we briefly discussed in the context of Four Color, and four copies of Orkish Bowmasters. Yeah, uh, I have not, I have yet to play with that card. I think card. You, you've tried it a little bit more, Gab, right? Yeah, Archering, I ping, I mass. It's it's really it's really good. Um, I love it. I I played it in in Espergorio. I've played it in. Like Asmo Saga decks, I, I feel like right now if you're playing black and you're playing some something somewhat fair or anything that remotely, remotely, you know, uses the the card, you should probably just play four copies in your deck. I think it's it's really really good. And um, yeah, I wasn't surprised Zerg to do well. Was was that deck one synergy I've seen? I don't know if he had it in his list or in the main, but is the one wing the one ring was Shieldred. Um, that's also mm. a, a super sick combo. It's a bit like like Omnath, you know, you were talking about that. That line is so good, right? You play the one ring, you're protected, and then you untap, play Omnath, play the fetch land. It's like the perfect curve. Because um, sometimes playing turn four Omnath is not super exciting. You play it, you draw a card, it dies. Sure, you two for one them, but they probably spend way less mana on your Omnath anyways. And that curve's kind of nice. It's kind of same for Shieldred. Um, the, the Mono Black Coffers deck's been pretty popular, and I was wondering if instead of playing Karn, um, you shouldn't just play the One Ring, and once you have the One Ring, maybe you just play a bunch of Shield Reds. Uh, along was, I would probably 
friend for Bowmaster in that deck as well. You know, that's on my list of, of, of decks to try. But um, yeah, not surprised to see to see Xerx do well with with these cards in his deck. Even though I was I was watching Mangu's stream this morning and he went a quick O2 drop with Yagmas, he was like swearing in Italian. Like I don't understand how do people win with that deck? Every time I try it, I, I get crushed. Have, do you, either of you have experience playing with that deck? Very limited for me. Yeah, yeah same and here. It is not exactly the sort of deck I'm due to pick up naturally. Yeah, I know on my team for for the PT we have a, a, a few players who've played a decent bit of Yagmas. So I think I'm just gonna let them figure out uh, what's the right version if if it's good enough. But um, yeah, I have to say though, there's no Shouldred in the in the in Zerk's list, and I'm not entirely sold on like Shouldred being a good card in more like in modern at all. I think they're like X like. It's played in all of the other formats to to lesser or greater success, but in modern specifically, I just kind of don't don't see it. The intersection of people drawing like relatively fewer cards than they do in Legacy and Vintage, and also people having much better removal spells than they do in Pioneer and Standard, it just kind of all lines up so unfavorably for Shoulder that she's kind of a brick that doesn't seem to. To do much in in most of the modern games, as far as I imagine. All right, fair enough. Maybe I'm just super biased because I literally that was like the last match I played today. I think on my stream, and I lost to uh, the ring into shield dreads. They tapped four mana, and I was like, oh, Yagmas, it's fine. They're pretty low on life. Oh wait, no, shield dread. Tap the ring, gain six. GG. Um, All right, I, I yeah. guess that can happen. But yeah, you 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 were talking about the showcase. You went four and two, actually. Was kind of a trooper. I, I went all the way to four and four because I was trying to get reps in. I decided to play a variation of a list that for the prelim it was Jose, who's qualified for the PT as well. Uh, Jose Nefes, he came in ninth in the last arena championship and he followed the prelim. He actually beat me when I was playing Living In, I think. And he was playing Asmo Saga, was the Samwise combo. Samwise was Cauldron Familiar and a Sackout list was one of the, you know, the first decks I wanted to try. So I played a, a bunch of, of lists. I tried one list was the combo in a collected company shell. And I also had the Rosy Oak combo. The Rosy Oak combo was as bad as is expected, just really bad against cheap spot removal. So I was kind of off that, but I was kind of liking the, the other combos. So I tried a, a couple different builds and that one was kind of cool. It uses Ranger Captain of Eos to find either Familiar or Asmo or Viserys here, your sack outlet. And I thought the list was pretty solid. Um, Deadly Dispute was a nice addition. And there was actually a Bill Sive who he top aided the showcase was his own version that had the manufacturer and Goose as well. So kind of the, the a bit of the same deck. But his mana base was just super greedy. I don't know if you guys saw that list, but it had 20 lands, including for Saga. He only had like 13 sources of green to cast turn one goose. And it just and a planes. Yeah, and the planes. I mean, the planes kind of make sense with Samwise, but... Um, a I little felt, bit. Yeah, I felt like the mana base was so sketch. Um, but he made top eight. And um, uh, I don't know... 
what you guys think of these decks, but I, I liked it. The, the one thing I don't like is the tension of Urza Saga and double color spells on turn two, whether it's Samwise Gamgee, whether it's Counterspell. I saw a blue blacklist that looked pretty cool. That was playing. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty common problem for me too. Like it's just kind of an issue of, with those decks, especially when trying to be free colors and trying to support like call costs across all the three colors and then you have spells that cause one black and then you have Samwise for white green and then you also have Urza Saga which is also kind of time sensitive and you idly want to be able to play it when you want to play it not when you when you can afford to so those problems like kind of pile on and uh, I think the power level of such a deck would need to be really high for me to want to seriously consider a deck like this for tournaments where I have to suffer through the mana base so much. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree, and it's been a kind of running theme of deck building since since Urza Saga came out. On its surface, it's like, this is the best card, one of the best cards in the format. It really does lend itself to these kind of, you know, grindy decks would love to have copies of it, but they can never really justify finding space for it and the cards that, 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 it, that it dictates you play with. And then the pressures that puts on your mana base, and you know, every now and then we see these decks do really well, you know, where they just kind of try to have have the cake and eat it. But uh, overall, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's sustainable deck building. I mean, I remember for a long time you and I were trying to draw up as a saga Ren and six decks, and even even that was a difficult thing to do mana base wise. Yeah, actually, also, sorry, yeah, also I've been mentioning that the that the Rossi Cotton carry out combo wasn't too impressive. Is that true? Yeah, well, mostly what I don't know. Once again, it's like small sample, and I did get paired twice against Murktide in Ellis. But when I was, I was basically just boarding out the combo against almost everyone because it was like unholy heat bolts. So I was like, I don't want these free mana cards in these matchups. So not only was it small sample size, but I was also boarding out the combo a lot. So I got even less reps with it. But it, it seemed just. I mean, I think in theory it it sounds weak, and in practice it was. Um, yeah, yeah. That that's what I I like so much, like Profane Tutor in the in the Saga deck. These these one black and one spells on turn two when you're playing a Saga deck. I've been really going out of my way to um to 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 optimize Saga. I was talking about that blue black list. I, I kind of copied and changed a bunch of cards. They were playing counterspell. I cut counterspells for mana leak, so you can have these draws of like, you know, turn one, Darkstick Shore, Thoughts Easier, whatever. Play a spell on turn one, turn two, Saga, mana leak, or I don't know, Deadly Dispute. All, all, all these cards. Um, and I was also having the tension of Ranger Captain of Eos, where it's never good when you have to play a guessing game on turn one. You know these spots where you don't have the card in your hand yet, but you're like, okay, if I get Overgrown Tomb, it lets me play Samwise Gamgee. But if I get Godless Shrine, it lets me play Captain because I need the second one if I draw it. You know, so it's it's kind of tough. It's, it's like playing roulette, but like both red and black loses. Yeah, and I That's don't know. Maybe, maybe four goose for a dispute kind of fixes that a bit but i was i was watching doomwake play the deck and it's funny i tune in the stream he was like a couple matches in and i was like did you have any mana issues and he's like no and then he kept like as soon as i started watching i was like mulligans no lands mana issues mana issues so i guess i kind of jinxed him but 
I think it's it's an interesting deck. Uh, I'm a little lukewarm on Samwise just because it's so fragile, even though sometimes it, it does give you value. And, um, you know, Ranger Captain is also a really good, really good card. But overall, I would say I'm pretty lukewarm on, on that combo and, and these decks in general right now. I'm just not really so sure why, why a kind of three-card creature-based combo would necessarily be a good thing in modern at the moment. We have we have lots of different examples of it already. There's Devoted Druid Vizier of Remedies. Uh, there, there, there have been numerous other iterations throughout you know throughout modern's history, and they've never really stuck around as good enough. And this is just another one that requires a few things to come together, and then you get to do no. the thing. There, there's nice things about it, right? Uh, like it has upsides over the previously existing combos, I think, right? Because it neither it requires no, not an it, it doesn't require an untap, so you you can have your creatures be summoning sick and it works immediately. Okay, and yeah. it's also all the pieces are very cheap. It's two mana, one mana, one mana. Mm. But I agree that being three pieces is relatively hard to assemble. I have played with with a version of that deck with Rally the Ancestors. It was not very good. Yeah, people. It was I don't know. Kind of hard to combine them. Yeah, I don't know where you got that idea from, but you tried it. Jose had it actually when he forwarded the prelim, but then I think for the showcase he cut them because that's like that card is just bad. But yeah, to your point, Kenneth, sir, I think the reason this deck could be good is the creatures. They kind of do a little something. I feel like maybe Cauldron Familiar is the best one of the three, the most impactful. Just the there's so many spots where the chum block. Um, matters the, the the chip damage matters. I think maybe Samwise is the second best one as far as utility goes, and then I think Seer is 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 the worst one by a decent bit because you don't have that many creatures to stack. Even though if living in a popular like having stuff like this, or Seer Woestrider or Ranger Captain of Eos, that matchup was that matchup felt pretty good. I had I had the sack outlets, I had the Ranger Captain of Eos to counter living end. Uh, I had the main deck Spellbomb to get with Saga. It was... Uh, uh, I even had some extra Hellfoonlights in my sideboard, so that's kind of a, a nice matchup. As why it's good against Sud. So, like, the pieces kind of it's, work it's to more get... So, that, that thing is more so just a statement of, like, how Living End just tends to... Like, it's a strong deck, but it tends to find a way to lose really badly to the worst decks imaginable. And it's, like, so so common with Living End. You can, like, lose to things you... You're embarrassed to, to say you're lo- you lost you just lost to so often of living end. Yeah, I, really, I, I would say it's actually pretty good at beating, because you're like you have force and grief, and if people don't respect you, uh, it's... well, yeah, like it's it's like good overall, but like the game, like you still get to be clowned in games. Yeah, I mean, there are some like terrible matchups. Like, I've been playing some some Goryeo decks or like the Reanimator decks in general. If they just go like turn to Bitter Reunion, discard an Archon, or yeah, exactly this type of a thing. Like that, that feels yeah, that feels kind of bad. But um, yeah, I think the the, the creatures they're kind of good. The, the Asmo Shell is nice. You know, you get you get to go like discard my cat to the cookbook, bring it back right away, have a blocker in in all the matchups where damage actually matters. So. Feel like it's it, there's something there. Um, do you, do you play with the manufacturer ever? Canister, I haven't tried that card yet, but I was wondering if it's not worth throwing one or two copies of that card in almost any cookbook decks. 
Well, I think it's a really cool card, but I don't know if it's a very good card. That's my view view on manufacture. I will try that that list probably on Thursday. Yeah, uh, I haven't tried it yet. I've played plenty with manufacture in the past because I like the card a lot, but it's it's very often top three mana, not do all that much. So it's kind of a risky risky card to play. Yeah, it's a free mana one free artifact. Whenever you make either a treasure, food, or a clue, you get one of the other two. So if you have Kuga mm-hmm. Pin playing, you play it. You I make the food. No, you get all three. I was struggling. Struggling. I'm glad you're glad you told me about the card. I was struggling to figure out what it was. But it's Academy Manufacturing. Yeah, that's probably what we we should start with when we talk about these <laughs> yeah. kind of obscure cards. Um, but yeah, you know that Academy Manufacturer was originally meant to cost two mana. That would have been so busted. Yeah, but it that was. It was allegedly nerfed by the consultants working on Modern Horizons two. And I think some some black in his article describing his experience uh, said that he wanted to make the card free mana because when it was two mana, it was compatible with Lurus, which was very strong. <laughs> which is kind of sad, right? When you yeah. like think about it this way now. Oh yeah, you would have been able to put it in your Lurus deck too. Nice. Um, so you mean Lurus saved modern from manufacturing in some ways? And you could say that 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 Lurus saved us. You could also say that Lurus ruins uh, a lot of fun that could have been had. Could have been a lot of lot of uh, cardboard and take all the game actions if it wasn't for Lurus. Game objects, yeah. Yeah, making objects. Yeah. So we we talked a bit about Omnath. We talked about a Samwise combo living in patch. You've been playing some Merktide. I know I've been losing still a decent bit to Merktide, but... I mean, this is exactly the sort of time in the format that Merktide's at its best, where everyone's trying new things and dorking around, and you're just like, well, all of my cards are very good, and they all work very coherently, and they're good at stopping you doing what you're doing. It's like the fun police. It's just, this is the perfect time for it to do well. I had a, I had a pretty decent weekend in the in the non-showcase challenges. I had, a, I had four, 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 in the copies of, four copies in the Saturday challenge, top eight. Including winning, um, yeah. I mean, I said last week today or last fortnight that it was a deck that I would start with, and it's a deck that I'm going to keep doing because it's my favorite thing to do. I don't necessarily think it's in a great spot, especially if people if there's a big uptick of people playing kind of devoted halfling omnath decks. Those aren't that's not the matchup that you want to be playing a lot of uh, with with Merktide. But if people are going to be trying to do dorking around, doing new things, and tapping out the cast of Wandering, I think punishing them is. Uh, with Mokta is a good thing to do. One thing I am a bit worried about, though, is this Orkish Bow Mastercard. He's uh, really good against Ragavan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, it's it's definitely making me think more and more about not cutting Ragavan necessarily, but moving away from fish-style game and just trying to keep cards like that off the board or minimize their impact be more of a kind of control deck with Murtide at the top end. I'm sure Yendrick would love to hear all this. And maybe just saying it out loud makes me think that I shouldn't. But uh, yeah, I, the Orcish Bowmaster is a card that has just bodied me a couple of times this last week. All right, yeah. Um, I guess I've been playing, I've played a, a bunch of Gorio's list recently. I tried a 
Bowmaster in these lists, and it was it was really good for me. I was winning a lot of fair games. Plus, you have Ephemerate in your deck, so sometimes it comes up that you blink it, but it was basically the uh, the um, Esper Gorio deck was you play Indulgence, Atraxa, you try and blink Atraxa or Gristlebrand, it was Ephemerate up to you, Gorio's Vengeance it, so it stays in play. You also have Griefs in your deck, so you can get the Grief Ephemerate draws. And I tried Bowmaster, it was really solid. I tried Sauron's Ransom too, which is the free mana instant speed mini like Factor Fiction Atris. And that card has been good. I don't know if it's been better than Shadow Prophecy and or better than other, other cards you could play in that, in that slot. You know, I was kind of missing maybe having a few extra Faithful Mending. Um, but yeah, overall pretty solid. My results were good. I was I was still impressed. I was winning more fair games because you have Bowmaster that plays a good fair game. You have Soren's Ransom that's like nice card advantage. Um, Reprieve, the new Reman was also super solid for me. Uh, compared to Reman, it dodges Dispute, it dodges Veil. It, it helps. It works, the halfling. it works against the Halfling. It works against Cavern of Souls. And it's also just a, a, a white card in a solitude deck, whereas you don't really play, uh, you know, the blue pitch card in that deck. Add one for some negation. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still impressed with these shells. I tried, that was good. I tried a, a blue-black Archon, like Asmo Archon Persist deck. So kind of in like the, the... in the previous trial you mentioned, it's kind of nice that you got to have almost all of your cards have flash. Bowmasters has flash. Reprieve you said, uh, Sauron's ransom, Solitude. Yeah, it was definitely a big part of of why I was doing so well. The 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 whole like yeah, all your two drops are are instant speeds. Um, on turn three, I, I basically only play at instant speed, except if you want to be hard casting a grief. I, I was playing some endings. I did cut the. That deck can play the the binding mana base. You can play five color mana base. They play fable sometimes uh, to make your your bindings one mana. Shadow prophecy. It's kind of sweet to hit binding off a Traxa because it's a cheap removal. You can play the turn you bring back Traxa, but I don't think it's like super necessary, honestly. Um, so yeah, a couple of di directions you can go, but I was I was impressed with the. The new cards overall and made me want to try them in, in slightly different shells so i uh i tried a, a blue black asmo arc i don't even know how to call these decks anymore it has saga and asmo package it has persistent archon the the reason was that i want to play ransom and if you self-mail emrakul was ransom it doesn't work very well it reshuffles right away so mm. i win was a and it, it was fine. It didn't feel like super great. It felt pretty good. But the, the one good surprise that I tried was I played the Blackland Cycler, the troll. And there mm -hmm. was a bunch of games where I just persisted the troll. You know, I didn't have Archon. And I'm actually pretty high on that synergy right now. I think I'm just going to probably cut the ransoms and try Mono Black version with four trolls. Uh, I was so playing get three. Five, five, four Giga Menace creature. So yeah. basically can't be blocked, right? I guess your opponent will not have three blockers. Eh, actually, Yogg had a bunch of blockers once. I, I got paired against a really cool, uh, an updated version of Hollow One. They were playing Bowmaster was Burning Inquiry, which is, mm, you know, draw cool. both players draw free, discard free. So that was pretty sick. Um, it, it's also a deck that 
that haven't been played much at all, but it is one of these decks that benefits from Underworld Breach. They were playing Chandler, Bubble, Underworld Breach. They even had the Dark Ritual. I didn't even remember that card existed. It's one red. The Dark Ritual? One red, sack a creature, add free red to your deck. And I was like, why do they have that card in their deck? And then I saw Breach, and I was like, oh. Sounds insanely greedy, but I guess having maybe one of to, to self-mill at some point or discard or... Uh, I don't know if you've ever cast that card in modern. I mean, I was going to ask Pat. I've, I doubt Pat. No chance. Yeah. Zero chance I've ever cast that in modern. No, I certainly did. I certainly did. It used to be a part of the Belcher package. Oh. What did at you say? Oh. You, you had an Ornithopter and you had the Infernal Plange, <laughs> which, is, which is that. When you, when you played Belcher and you stacked your deck with... Uh, Recross the path, then you then you revealed uh, reforge the soul. You draw seven cards. You go ornithopter, infernal plunge. That lets you combo off with just one mana after your uh, reforge the soul, which otherwise would not be possible. So it's it's a card that has uh, modern history for sure. So yeah, anything else? I mean, I've, I can keep going. I've got another couple of decks I've tried, but uh, I don't know. What Do you guys have an opinion on, on all these Gorio shells? I had never really played these decks before, and I started playing them a bit. I don't even remember why, and I've been kind of hooked, honestly. My results have been pretty good before Lord of the Rings. The few leagues that I played since have been pretty promising. Um, I've been kind of ignoring those decks and not thinking much of them, but maybe I should look uh, a little bit harder into them. After all, I guess the last Modern Mox was also won by one of those. Well, those yeah. are pretty small tournaments and like pretty, I guess, inbred, but it's interesting. Yeah, that was one of the reasons. I, I felt like, I think we talked about it maybe, or or not. Anyways, I thought his list was land short. He was only playing 21 lands, which was really greedy. Um, but uh, I tried his deck and I added two more lands and I felt like I started doing a bit better. At, um, but... Yeah, they're they're really fun too. They're a ton of fun, and they they're a bit. It's a little overwhelming because there's just so many directions you can go. You can go in right now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of. I guess my final my final thoughts on the kind of impact of the new set is that it feels like it's genuinely a new set for modern, and we're going through that phase of as you described. Anything's possible. It's a bit overwhelming. What direction do you go? And I think things will settle down over the next couple of weeks. But it's uh, it's certainly this Lord of the Rings set's definitely added a lot, lot to the environment. I don't yeah, think for sure. I, I don't think by the I don't think that by the time the PT rolls around, we're gonna be. I think the PT is gonna be all over the place too. You reckon the PT is still gonna be pretty pretty up in flux? What is it? It's four weeks away. Yeah, not a, yeah. I guess decklist is in exactly decklist in four weeks, but I I, I think the PT there's you know or or maybe it'll be like it won't get that feeling because maybe it'll just be people kind of copying like each other people who don't have like maybe big testing teams who don't have as many resources and stuff, but. I wouldn't be surprised if me and my teammates get to the PT and we like still like not not really have a clue what's what's best and we got to the point where we've played so much we don't even know anymore uh 
what to think. Yeah, I guess there's also like that thing where the new cards they seem to be kind of like broad. Like the one ring is a colorless card, so you can literally put it into any deck you want. So people are gonna be trying to put it in lots of places at first. Uh, Bowmaster seems like a good, great mid-range black card, so it seems like it potentially fits into a lot of different black mid-range shells. Uh, and like the legged halfling could be used in a wide variety of of green decks and it kind of also shows that like mana dorks are not necessarily obsolete as a concept it's just that having one toughness in a red and six format was not uh, justifiable yeah i can't remember if i rant about that last week or last that we recorded but i keep wondering why they make these modern only cards that have two top that have one toughness there's like a bunch of two drops in in the new set that just have one toughness and that makes them almost you know, de facto unplayable because of Ren and Six. Like, what yeah, does it cause so, them to yeah. make to, to give them a second point of toughness? Yeah, it's just exactly. toughness. Why is it right about two -two? Just to, you know, at some point, at some point, there's gonna be a new Ren and Six that's gonna deal two damage, and then two damage, two, two, two toughness is gonna be too low, so everything is gonna need to have three toughness. And at at what point is it gonna stop? So yeah. you just we have to pace it slowly. <laughs> Yeah, slippery slope. Yeah, we were talking about Bowmaster. One deck we didn't talk about was Ragdos Scam, and that deck was playing for bat. I think most people who playing that deck were playing for Bowmaster. I think Young Dingo did well a bunch, and he he had the four Bowmaster in his in his deck as well. I think they were yeah, I like Bowmaster in there. Yeah, I think they were trimming maybe Lightning Bolts stuff. I mean, probably just trimming here and there, but maybe trimming some of the removal spell. Yeah. Are you a scam? Maybe a, 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 scam a little bit of the, maybe a little bit of the free drop cards, because scam always had the issue of kind of playing nineteen lands, but then wanting to function like a twenty-four land deck, and you kind of there's like having like effective two drops is a is a good middle ground. It I feels yeah. unless season pyromancers crocs uh, like this type of card. Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Because I see those lists. Like I see an old list of Scam right now, which I searched up. It has 19 lands, 4 Seasoned Pyromancer, 2 Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and 2 Blood Moon, and 2 Kologans Command in the main deck, which is... That's what she just changed. It's 10 free drops, and I crocs on top of that yeah, in a I 19 mean, land deck, which is just unreasonable, right? Yeah, that was Pioneer or Standard. The deck would play 25 land or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you also have to to have a high colored card count for your Greece and Furies, so that kind of puts you in a hard spot. So getting to lower your curve and still play a strong game seems like a valuable thing. Yeah. Have you started like doing stuff like main phasing consider spat in case your opponent just goes turn to Bowmaster in response to your consider? I've gone one step further. I've literally a sleight of hand in my deck right now. Overconsider? Yeah, overconsider, yeah. Dude, that's so good. I was actually gonna ask if you guys <laughs> was... thought that, you know, people should adapt and play less cantrips if they don't have to because of yeah, bowmasters. Yeah, so my before I got bowmastered I had like the the Murktide list had a couple of thought scales in them in addition to the considers and I just got burned once and I just said fuck this, I'm not doing this again. 
And really nice. I just have slide of hand. I, I kind of love slide of hand already. Like I've got a soft spot for that card. Um, and it just lets me play more into the kind of Murktide deck that I like to play, which is just all my lightning bolts and all my dragon bridges channelers and all my Murktide regents and just kill my opponent. And the instant action from sleight of hand is preferable to say, you know, the slight, the slight, amb- not ambiguity from consider, but, um, you know, comparison to, you know, Serum Visions or something like that and turning on, um, at turn, force, turning delirium more. At force sleight of hand in my very first Pro Tour deck. Very good. I even had them. When, when was that? <laughs> Chicago 2000 in standard. I was playing Blue Sky at force sleight of hand, four opt. As ahead of the curve, I was playing like really low land count. I was basically playing a modern deck back in back in standard. Really low land count was for sleight of hand, for up, for gush. Um, I, I think I had the seven editions one that are white bordered, and I had them sharpied in black so they were black bordered. Damn. Yeah. But back to Orkish Bowmasters in modern. Today I. It was the first time I played against that card today, and I did mindlessly tap my one ring without considering the <laughs> on-board Orkish Bowmasters. My opponent did not even need to flash it in, but I just did tap my ring. I, I drew three cards, and I was like, oh, I guess I guess I take three more damage. My opponent gets a free, free creature. Uh, that was... I did lose to that afterwards. Yeah. Uh, certainly... Certainly a nice can like maybe not a counter, but a nice tool against the one ring. Yeah, no, it, it helps. Every bit helps against the one ring. I had someone kill themselves. I mean, they were like dead anyways, but they cast sign in blood when I had a bowmaster in play, and I even had another one in hand. So sign in mm. blood deals six damage to you. Yeah. Uh, oh, they do stack. Yeah, yeah. There is nothing like that. That's that you cannot have two copies. That's true. Yeah, no, the the, the stack. Um, oh, it's it's a good card. One of the decks I want to try um, is is Merktide, blue black Merktide, which is something I tried before the new set. But before the new set, I feel like it really felt like you were giving up too much by not playing red. You were just playing a much much worse blue red Merktide deck. But now you get Bowmaster, and the ransom is nice. It fills up your graveyard, and in a deck like. You know, if you have Bowmaster, maybe a few Snapcasters, um, maybe you can get there with the Ring Temps. You maybe that can do all something. But um, yeah, I, I think we talked about most of the decks we we played, right? So I was, unless uh, you guys had something else to talk, so I wanted to ask you like, what are you looking forward to try that you haven't tried yet, or maybe a decks you've seen that looks cool and interesting. The thing I would like to try is, I guess that's a tangent because it is in Legacy, which is the worst format that I don't often play. But occasionally, when I do, I enjoy playing Reanimator in that deck. And I'm not sure if that's something that people have already done or not, but I'm kind of excited to try Orcish Bowmasters in the sideboard of that deck as a uh, alternate plan. I think you could like have a cyborg of four Orcish Bowmaster, four Doffy Voidwalker, like two or three Jewel Dreads, four Magus of the Moon, and that could be like almost a legit midrange deck in, in Legacy. Because Bowmasters against a person that casts a brainstorm is like really impressive. Yeah, I heard that card's just super busted and, and Legacy is gonna probably gonna change everything, right? Sounds yeah. like a nightmare, honestly. <laughs> 
Certainly. For Bowmaster, for Hog Breacher, for Narset, for. <laughs> I, I, I love the, like the anti combo. Bowmaster and Narset. Yeah. I, in answer to your question, though, I'm I'm actually excited to play with Bowmaster as well. I I heard you suggest this blue blue black Murktide shell on your screen the other day, and yeah, you know, I've been thinking about it quietly, but I'm not paying forty ticks a pop for Bowmasters right now. I'll wait and see, but um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that too. I think just playing slightly higher land count, a little bit more leaning into that aspect and being less vulnerable to other people's bowmasters is uh, kind of appealing. Even if you do lose access to Ragavan and iteration. Cool, cool. Should we move on to a tiny bit of pioneers? Yeah, why don't you give us the the cliff notes on your on your weekend? All right, I'll go first. I just played the Pioneer Showcase, took a break from Modern. I just played Blue-Black Control because I really enjoyed the deck. I think it's solid. And I was up to a good start. I was 5-0. and I was doing, I was beating a bunch of white aggro decks, whether it was Blue-White Spirits or Mono-White Aggro, which um, is one of the reasons I like Blue-Black over Blue-White. I think it's better against all the white aggro-based decks because you get push, uh, just cheaper removal, Kalita, after Sideboard, or Shark Typhoon against Spirits. Anyways, um, I, I will say I think these matchups are much scarier now because of Invasion of Gobakan. And Wedding Announcement, I would say to a lesser extent, but it felt like if they had good Invasion of Gobakan decks, uh, draws, it could be put me in a really tough spot. It's especially good against Shark Typhoon, the same way PV was good against Shark Typhoon. You... You get it and you can't cycle it anymore. Not only does it cost eight mana to hardcast, but you can't cycle it. I was still able to to beat these decks, but it felt closer and then the wheels kind of fell off. I lost I beat green once, but lost a couple times to green. One round I played poorly. And then I got paired against a bunch of red black decks. I beat Sacrifice once, but then I lost to Sacrifice once and lost to Ragdos Midrange, which which is just a huge, huge problem. But uh, yeah, cliff notes are, if you don't think people are going to be playing Ragdos, I think blue-black is a good choice. Um, if you expect people to still show up with Ragdos, then it's probably kind of an uphill battle, but deck is still still fun and, and solid. Canister, I think you, uh, you almost won a tournament. Yes, I played a team event in uh, Warsaw. The so-called Paprikash tournament. There is like a series of tournaments like that happening every every few months or so. In Warsaw, it was a team pioneer event. There was twenty teams uh, of three people. It was not unified. It was just just team pioneer. I played with uh, uh, a Polish crew that you might know from from the Modo streets. Lori Vuvua and uh, Biednarcio are the users. And uh, are there other mono names? We played mono green devotion, Ragdos sacrifice, and uh, mono black midrange. Just everyone choosing the deck that they were comfortable with. I was uh, playing sacrifice, which is my comfortable choice in pioneer for for quite quite a while. And uh, it's just kind of a a deck I like, and I like uh, playing it. And I didn't want to away from from the path from that path for that tournament and i just kind of went with what i liked 
Uh, we got we got we got the second place. The first place was uh, won by a different team with uh, Sodek and TSP Endrek. Unfortunately. Uh, but uh, I want to sacrifice myself. I kind of think that Pioneer right now has approached the kind of the equilibrium, like the amount of decks in Pioneer is big enough that you, for the most part, should be playing what you are good with and what you like. As long as you play a good deck, uh, you should like it's more important to play it well than to choose it correctly. I think there's like enough playable decks that it's really hard to to like make a metagame guess as to what exactly you're, you're gonna be facing, etc. So like I think be it green, uh, sacrifice, mid range, lotus field, phoenix even, or blue black control if that is what tickles your fancy. I think that's honestly a good choice for pioneer tournaments if you play those decks well. Yeah, that makes sense. I was looking at the results, so it was Komataman, who I think maybe was also streaming the event, who, who won the showcase. I don't know if you guys saw that list, but I had to read Piano Lark Console of Revival twice to make sure it wasn't like a typo or something. Do you, either of you guys know what the card does? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you know? It's kind of... No Not a clue. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna get, to get it from memory. It's a 2-mana, two 2-3 two for red-white. Legendary human advisor, artificer, close so. artificer. Uh, whenever you play, whenever you cast a card from exile or play a land from exile, create a one-one artifact thopter creature with flying. And, and thopters you control half haste. Yeah, it's super sick. So he plays that. He plays four ringless. Four Reckless Impulse, four Rens results, which are just pretty solid cards anyways. Uh, also plays free Shadow Showdown of the Skulls. I didn't even know that was a deck. So it's like basically moderate prowess, splash white for PI and, and showdown. And yeah, I think I think he was first in the Swiss and he he uh also he, chained to the rocks, right? He won the tournament. Yeah, chain oh yeah, it's flashing white for chain for chain to the rocks as well. Yeah, it looks Super, super sweet. So just, just when you think, you know, kind of, you know, Pioneer is, is settled and stuff, someone shows up and, and wins the tournament. Who's, as far as I'm concerned, a new deck. Did, did you know the card because you saw the list? Because you've played with it? Because you've played against that deck? I've seen I've seen that list. I've played against it a few, a few times. It's been popping up for like the past few weeks. And I certainly played against it when I was playing, when I was preparing for Athens, I think. Yeah. Once, once or twice. It's it seems pretty interesting. It has like good removal, a potential to be aggressive. It has Giganta as a companion and has a good amount of card advantage. So certainly, it has like many tools to tackle many different problems. So it doesn't look too bad. Yeah, I'm a big fan of like a lot of cheap spells and four four reckless impulse, four rens resolve. I mean, these are like modern modern power level cards almost. Like you'd probably do fine if you're playing Monorite prowess with with impulse and resolve in your deck. Um, but yeah, um, I guess that kind of wraps it up. Yep, I would rather say that wraps it up. I think it's time to, to put our lives on the line. Absolutely. For those of you who don't know what life on the line is, it's a tournament. If you win, you live. 
if you lose, you die. And we each have to bring one deck uh, in the formats that we've talked about. So modern pioneer, I guess. Who wants to go first? All right, I'm choosing Living End because I got a 4-1 with it today. Which yes. I guess means still means death, right? Which is maybe a little bit scary, but you're you're a suitable yeah. replacement with the Harry with that attitude. <laughs> but yeah, certainly uh from like what I played with the with the elemental stacks, they like had great tools, but also I still felt like I will free to every league with them because like something will go wrong every time and living end is living end has the power to spike and it has the proactivity that I like so i'm going with living end for modern and uh, for pioneer still sticking to my comfy pick of sacrifice and if i die i will die happily yeah, you'll probably gain some kind of small incremental benefit from dying yeah but, yeah in, in fitting with deck choice what well, about exactly. right I, i'm gonna continue my year and a half long Ode to Merktide. I'm just going to keep playing Merktide in modern. Uh, I kind of echoing what Candice said about Pioneer. I actually think that you know modern modern has a lot of that going on as well, where you have to you know it's not so much about being exactly perfectly perfectly positioned, but being very very competent and and, and familiar with the deck that you choose to play. So yeah, I'm going to keep keep putting my life on the line with uh, with Blue Red Merktide. I'm definitely going to play Slide of Hands though, because I'm not getting bow mastered. I refuse. Uh, in Pioneer, I honestly have no clue at the moment. Um, I've never said Mono Green Devotion, and I'm not going to. I think I would probably just play Rakdos. Whether it be Sack or Blue Branch, I don't know. So I'm going to start with Pioneer. I'm in the Giga result-oriented. I'm just going to play that white-red list. I love it. It looks really cool. Uh, even got that little modern feeling, the 20 lands, all, all card advantage cantrips and stuff. Um, going to play Komata Man's list. And in modern, I would definitely play something with Asmos Saga, Summary Animate, Component, whether it's Persist or... All right, if you would ask me to play one, um, I think I would go... Oh, there's a lot of Teferis these days, so Gorya Merkel's all scary. Thing if I had to pick right now, I would go was yeah, Mono Black, Asmogorio, Emrakul was the light green splash for the Haywire Mites. Um in modern. Alright, well, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Guys, where can we find you? Pat? Um I don't know. Anywhere in the internet that can underscore smart. What about you, Candice? Or where can we find you streaming your content, all that good stuff? As usual, twitch.tv slash canister underscore mtg and twitter.com slash canister underscore mtg and youtube.com slash canister. No right. mtg. Sweet. You can find me mostly on my Twitch, streaming some modern, testing for the PT twitch.tv slash yellow hats. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks you so much for listening. Hope you all have a great week and we'll catch you next time. Take it easy. Stay hydrated. Good idea, actually. <laughs>